Welcome to Chaotic Harmony. I am your host, Angela Schultz, and I have a secret. I could really go for some pie right about now. A nice, freshly baked apple pie and a small spoon to eat it with. You know, because the small spoons seem to make it last longer. I have never really been a pie lover. In fact, I never really cared for pie at all up until just recently. And to be completely honest, I always associated pie with old people. So why the hell do I want to be caught eating that? Maybe it's because my grandma always ordered a piece of pie whenever she took us out to eat. Who the hell knows? But I do know that I have a problem. I am an emotional eater. You know, I eat my emotions away when I'm happy, when I'm sad, when I'm cranky, when I'm tired, I will eat. And I always thought I was able to like hide it or control it, but I ain't gonna lie to anybody. I used to be 350 pounds plus. I ain't even going to my actual weight. I'll stick at 350. So I was not hiding it. I was carrying that shit around with me. And the only reason why I got away with it is because my husband doesn't pay attention until it's like a tragic. It took him like a year and a half to realize I lost a whole bunch of weight. And that is no joke. Sorry, honey. I had to throw you on the bus there again. Either way, I'm not going to sit here and, and lie about that. However, I will admit that I, I might have a problem because the night I found myself sitting in our bathtub with absolutely no water in there whatsoever and the shower curtain was closed, I was in complete darkness and praying that my husband wouldn't wake up and find me missing from our bed. All because I was eating an entire apple pie with our grandchild's spoon. Yeah, that's when I realized I might need problems. I was like, I was almost like that guy on Lord of the Rings. My precious. That, that's sad, but entertaining at the same time. No amount of pie is ever going to bring my grandma back to me. And I know that, but hear me out. That shit does taste good for a minute or two. I can't promise anyone that my emotional eating has improved. But I thought since this podcast has kind of helped me, you know, with just simply sharing my stories, maybe it'll help me cope with the loss of my grandma. Or it'll help me stop eating pie in shame because you know what? I want to eat that shit with dignity. I want to be able to sit next to my husband and wink as I'm eating it and him not shake his head and look at me like, do you really need that? You know, I want to eat it with some dignity. So I'm hoping this will help. Here it goes. <clears throat> Back when my grandma lived with my family, she asked me to be in charge of her health in case anything ever happened to her. I mean, she was getting older, so she had to put, you know, get all her ducks in a row. I didn't really look into what that all entailed, but I knew everything about her when it came to her, you know, her physical being, her mental being, all that. She lived with us because I was taking care of her. I was wiping her ass. So... Yeah, I, I wanted the best for her and you know, she trusted me and all that. So if her wishes were that I was to be her POA of health, that's what was going to happen. Oh, I wish I would have known what it all entailed. A little over a year and a half ago, 
I had received a phone call from my grandma's nursing home at the ass crack of dawn. I never knew what to expect any time they called me simply because my grandma was unpredictable and stubborn to the core. She never, ever, 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 ever cared for the words can't, shouldn't, the biggest one, no, uh, and I'm pretty sure I inherited that from her, and that's a good thing, so I don't care, whatever. She would make it her life's mission to prove to everyone and anyone that she didn't need assistance with anything, which, you know, led to some preventable accidents as her health conditions worsened at the nursing home. Did any of her accidents, though, like help her realize that she should take the doctor's orders or the nurse's orders, you know, at all? No, never. She would have an explanation whenever things went south, as if she had a whole, you know, back pocket full of these excuses. Now, I always, and I mean always, said that woman could never surprise me because she has done literally everything to me. But it's my grandma. She had a way of keeping me and everyone else on their goddamn toes. I honestly think it was in her job description. I found myself, I was more or less amused that grandma being 84 years old at the time was still trying to show the nursing home that she was in charge, not them. Even if that, you know, she had both of her arms covered in cast. She did not need anyone's help. She was misindependent and no one could stop her. Correction. The entertainment center in her room could stop her and it did. That's why the nursing home was calling me and they had to call me anytime something happened to her or whenever she gave attitude, or whenever she didn't listen to orders, they had to call me every single time because that's a part of being a POA. And having a grandma like mine, I was called almost every other day, if not daily. But don't get me wrong, I, it's all right. It's all good. I laughed almost all the time. <laughs> grandma was a sleepwalker, and not every night, but enough to call her a sleepwalker. And early that morning, she somehow managed to get herself out of bed with her hands, her arms, like I said, both completely covered in casts. And she went on a midnight stroll in her room. She very quickly tripped on her own feet. And the Lord knows how that could happen. I'm just kidding. She had Parkinson's disease. So her walking, she wasn't really walking. So she was going to stumble on her feet right away, which she did. And then she managed to hit her head pretty hard on the entertainment center, causing a, a loud thump, loud enough for, you know, everyone else to hear. Did my grandma call out for help? Hell no. Why the fuck would she? The nurse called out my grandma's name, hoping to hear some kind of response from her as she rushed into the room, but nothing. There was, it was dead silence. Not even a help. I've fallen and I can't get up. Not a single fucking peep came from my grandma's room. Not knowing what to expect as the nurse walked into my grandma's room, she turned the lights on real quick and called out my grandma's name again. 
and there, <laughs> sorry, that's when she saw my grandma laying there on the floor with her arms all casted up, held straight up as if she were reaching for the stars. My grandma's arms were shaking as she tried to keep them up as high as possible. Her breathing was really heavy and she was even moving her body just to get comfortable on the floor. My grandma would not respond at all. The lady had to get down real close just to see if my grandma would look at her. She played it, she was in it for the long haul. The nurse kept trying and trying to tell me all of this without laughing, but honestly, it was kind of hard not to laugh. The nurse said, you know, it took a little bit longer for before grandma realized she had to give in because she could no longer hold her arms up and she could no longer play dead. So grandma, an 84 year old woman was playing dead because she was out of bed without supervision. And the worst part is my grandma honestly thought she fooled the nurse. Now I called my grandma after all of this. I, when I was more awake and knew she was done with her breakfast, I asked her how she was doing and the freaking teenage attitude that I got from this 84 year old woman was priceless. Why are you asking me if I'm okay? They told you, didn't they? Well, I was sleepwalking and I thought I was in my childhood room, room, you know, I played dad, but they didn't figure it out. Now that is nothing like what my grandma actually sounds like because she sounded like a chain smoker because she was, but she sounded like a man. Just ask my mother-in-law. All I could do was listen to my grandma, honestly, tell me all this and not laugh myself. She was talking to me like her tail was between her legs for a little bit there and then switched it to the, what the fuck are you going to do about it attitude? And honestly, still to this day, the craziest part of it is she still was convinced that she tricked the nurse into believing she was dead and like came back. Like, what the hell? Oh, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I miss those kind of calls. I miss her telling me she won 25 cents during bingo. <laughs> I miss her telling me what she bought at the penny auction. I miss her talking about someone um, playing, she called it Alexis when it was supposed to be Alexa. She was playing music on Alexis and she didn't like it. I missed her complaining. I missed her laughing. I missed her calling me up when she was crying and sad. I missed the doctors calling me and telling me that they needed my help because my grandma was not listening to them. She was stubborn and refusing their services and they didn't know what the hell to do. I miss hearing her tell me she wants to kiss my husband, which she calls her jackass. And he calls her llama. You know, she had pretty good taste in men, I have to say that. It was all easy being her POA at that time. Easy peasy. You know, get the call, good to go. Until I received that one phone call. That call that made me miss all other calls. All the other, your grandma won't listen to us calls. That call very quickly turned into something that has shattered my soul into pieces. And I'm not quite sure if I will ever be the same, ever. 
I got a call from my grandma's nursing home and they were letting me know that my grandma fell when she tried to get out of bed on her own. Oh geez, wow. I never knew she could do that. <laughs> it was like usual. She didn't listen to anyone or read, you know, they, they even had signs posted. It was that bad. It's like, press the call button, call, yell for help. Grandma, in her mind, she was completely capable of doing all of it on her own. She also had dementia, so I'm sure she didn't realize she had all that going on. With that being said, my grandma was experiencing some pain because she fell. Whenever she moved and the nurses wanted to, you know, get her to the hospital, get an x-ray, just to figure out what's going on and make her feel comfortable. I talked to my grandma before she left for the hospital, and I let her know I loved her and that I would get a hold of her when she was out of the emergency room. In my mind, she probably broke something, nothing the doctor couldn't fix. And after a few hours went by, I received a call from the doctor that was taking care of her in the hospital. He told me that grandma had broken her hip when she fell, and it was the same hip that she had replaced just a couple of years back. I asked him how they were going to be able to even help her because she had heart disease, and it, her heart disease was getting worse. That's when the doctor's tone completely changed on me. Now, I heard everything he had said. I was like, I was in front of my, the, the foot of my bed, staring at my husband, just staring through him, you know, and holding on to that phone. And I could hear everything he was saying, but I did not let it register. He was saying, if this was my grandma, I wouldn't want her to live the rest of her days like this. If she wants ice cream, let her have ice cream. If she wants soda, give it to her. All I kept thinking was, why is he saying all this? She broke her fucking hip. I'm confused. How's it go from a fall, you know, and breaking her hip to your grandma's dying? I did not want to register that. The doctor, and I'm almost certain, noticed that I wasn't understanding what he was even trying to tell me. And just said, Angela, your grandma is dying. He explained to me as much as he possibly could about the situation, but stressed the fact that if it was his grandma, he wouldn't want her to go through any surgeries because my grandma would not survive anything. Now, I appreciate his honesty and compassion. There's a lot of doctors out there that say they don't do it, but they do. They they want to do as many tests as possible, poke, prod, you know, put you in this machine or that, just to get as much money as they possibly could. And this man had enough courage to say, listen, listen, Linda, nothing's going to be able to help grandma. So I, I really appreciate that. So kudos to him. I just couldn't wrap my brain around all of it. All of this was happening because she felt like it doesn't make sense. I wanted to be with her when she arrived to the hospital before I even knew how serious the whole situation was. And now that I've just found out my grandma was dying, I felt horrible. I needed to get my ass to the hospital. I didn't like knowing she was alone there. She was always there for me whenever I needed it. And I cannot stress that enough. Problem with all of that was our vehicle decided to take a shit a few days before she fell. 
So I had no way of getting there. I needed a ride, so I had to wait. I wasn't sure if she understood what was going on because of her dementia, so I thought I'd call her and see what was going on. Now I called grandma and as soon as I was done talking to the doctor and I let her know I was going to be visiting her in the morning. I just needed to get a ride from my daughter and that was her first great granddaughter. She seemed fine. In fact, it's almost as if she didn't know what was going on. I told her, or she told me not to worry about it. Clearly she didn't know the situation because there's no way in hell she was going to tell me not to worry after finding out her diagnosis. Her and I, we have a had, I hate using that word, we had a bond like no other. So she would never tell me to not worry. She told me she knew I loved her and that is all she needed. I told her, Grandma, I will be there in the morning. And my grandma just kept trying to tell me not to waste my gas. I knew at that point she was either ignoring her death sentence or wasn't told. I couldn't have that kind of conversation over the phone. So I hung up after we said our goodnight beautiful to each other. She reminded me very quickly before I hung up to kiss her jackass goodnight before. <laughs> and once that happened, I collapsed on my bed curled up in a fetal position and cried as if the water dam had broken. Trying to fall asleep that night was impossible. My mind was in a hundred different places all at the same time. I knew she was going to die eventually. I'm not fucking dumb. That's how life works. But I never allowed myself to think past the she might die thought. In fact, whenever she would bring it up, I would talk over her by saying, stop, I don't want to hear it, stop. I hated the idea, so I never entertained listening to her when I die statements until that night when it was staring me right in the face. My grandma was dying. Maybe not that night or the next day, but soon, too soon. Now, I don't care what anyone says. Losing a loved one at any age, I don't give a fuck how old they are, how young they are, whatever. It still sucks. The whole she lived a long life shit doesn't matter to me. Now don't get me wrong. It does help knowing she did things she wanted to with her life, but it doesn't erase the amazing bond we shared or the huge impact she had on my life. I laid in bed that night replaying every second of that phone call with the hospital doctor. Now, like I said, I knew she was getting old and slowly leaving us already because of her dementia and all that, but I never allowed myself to accept that. And I wish I fucking would because maybe it wouldn't be so hard right now. My grandma was too damn stubborn for her own good, so I never, like, she was invincible. However, she did tell me on many occasions that if she ever died, it would be over something really simple and stupid. And she's never wrong. I mean, most women are never wrong. I think this qualifies as one of those. Dying due to not following or listening to directions. Kind of makes me think, maybe I need to listen more, to be honest. I probably won't, though. 
The following morning, my daughter Abigail came to my rescue. I could not get the fuck out of my house fast enough. I was worried I wouldn't get there in time to say goodbye or get one last hug. The doctor made it clear to me that she didn't have much time left. So that 35-minute ride felt like an eternity. Abigail kept saying to me, Mom, you got this. You got this, Mom. I love you. Knowing and I'm sure seeing the pain I was in, she just kept reassuring me. And that sucks, having your kid reassure you. It's like it should be the opposite. I kept telling her I was okay. I was more worried about Grandma. But none of that was fucking true. And I'm almost positive Abigail knew I was bluffing the whole time. I caught myself feeling extremely selfish. I wanted Grandma to live forever because I needed her. I never saw my life without her in it. I'm 40 years old. I had 40 years with her, so I should be happy for that. But I'm not. I want more. Everybody wants more. Anyway. It was a lot to take in, and it really made me realize I should have taken the blinders off of my eyes a long time ago. Abigail and I got to the hospital at perfect timing, because when our elevator door opened up to her floor, all we had to do was follow my grandma's voice. She was yelling at the doctor because, according to her, he was lying to her. Grandma was in a completely different state of mind than she was the night before. Thank you, dementia. It was heartbreaking. I wasn't sure how I was going to handle any of it. All I knew was that at the very moment, I needed to calm her down and do what I do best. Talk. It was clear to me that she needed someone she knew, loved, and recognized. She looked so scared and lost, it was heartbreaking. Grandma saw me standing in the doorway and said, Angela! I can't trust anyone. They are all lying to me. I stood there numb for a bit, afraid to move. Because if I, because if I moved, it all made it real. It would make it real. Then I figured out, and I'm sorry, I'm trying not to cry. Then I figured out what I had to do. Something that I don't wish on anyone. And because it was my grandma, the woman that I saw as a mother figure, I would rather it come from me anyway. I had to explain to my grandma that she was dying. The doctor left the room as I sat down on her bed, and he honestly looked relieved because he had been getting yelled at for quite a while, I guess. And I don't blame him. I didn't want him in the room anyway. She was not being gentle on him at all either. And not on me for a little bit there either. Angela, what's going on? And I'm thinking, the woman that has been a bulletproof my entire life is laying in this bed right in front of me. And she's dying. And she didn't understand. So I cupped the side of her face, wiping some of the tears from her cheeks. And talked to her the way she best understood Blunt, brutal, and honest. And that's how I am, and it sucks to suck. So I looked at her, I'm like, Grandma, do you want me to sugarcoat it? Or do you want the truth? She stared at me for a second, and it's almost as if, like, I watched her come back to us, you know, like her dementia. 
kind of like got fucked off and she there's my grandma and then her voice softened and she's like truth and I'm like okay Angela you got this so I continued to rub her face as tears were coming down as best as I could I told her she was dying she continued on with how she didn't trust anyone but after she saw my emotions and actually listened to me for once she calmed down she understood. She trusted me. She kind of let it sink in a little bit as she watched me cry and I was like laying on her. She then asked me how. I kept all eye contact as I placed my other hand on her heart and I tapped her chest gently and explained to her that her heart was giving up. She began to cry as she asked me, are you sure? I said, Grandma, I would not lie to you. I love you. As I laid my head on her chest and I cried with her. My daughter joined our embrace and then whispered in my ear that she had to go. She couldn't handle it, all of this, and I completely understood. I wouldn't want anyone to have to deal with that. I needed to talk to the doctor in the hallway before she, my daughter, left anyways and I didn't want my grandma all alone in the room after what she had just found out. So Abigail was a good distraction for a little bit while I stood in the hallway telling the doctor how sorry I was for my grandma's behavior. I really wasn't sorry because that's just how she was. She could come off very harsh, but whatever. He was sweet about everything and was actually happy I showed up when I did. He wasn't sure what she was capable of, he said, because she was still acting kind of strong. But she was dying. She had a broken hip. So she really couldn't do much to the man. The doctor gave me all the information that I needed for my options and told me to stay strong and let me go and he let me go back to my grandma. That's the sucky part about the POA stuff. You have options. How do you want your death your your dying loved one to die? Oh, I hate that. After Abigail left the hospital room, it was just Grandma and I. I asked Grandma if I could lay next to her like I did in the good old days. When I'd stay overnight when I was a kid, I slept next to her. She held, me in, she held her arms open, and I'm pretty sure I didn't even have to ask her. I cuddled with her on that hospital bed and couldn't stop myself from crying. I had tried like hell to be strong for her this whole time, but once I was in her arms, I couldn't hold it in anymore. She held me and rubbed my head. Grandma kept whispering to me, I'm sorry, but she had nothing to be sorry for. I made sure to tell her I loved her and I was going to miss her. I told her I didn't know what to do without her. And then her response was, you don't have to worry about that. I'm going to haunt you. <laughs> I lift myself up off her so I could look at her. And all I could respond with was, you promise? She smiled through her tears and said, promise. And I'm going to sleep with your husband. That's when I started laughing through all of this mess. She says, if jackass feels a wet tickle on his asshole in the morning, that's from me. I have no words for that. Only my grandma 
would be on her deathbed telling me she was going to tickle my husband's asshole once she was dead. Grandma and I had laid there crying and laughing as we talked more. Now all I kept thinking was, Grandma, how am I going to live without you? And her response was, I'm always going to be with you, I promise. I laid my head back on her chest, knowing it was the last time I would probably ever do that. Then, like most of my grandma's adult life, she began making orders. No joke, this woman shut her eyes, and she looked like she was sleeping, and then out of nowhere, one of her arms would raise up, and she'd go, Call this person. This person gets this and that. Make sure this is done, and so on and so on. Oh, this woman is making lists while she's dying. I make a lot of lists. Now I know why. <laughs> but I felt like this was all a sick joke. I didn't want it to be happening. She was my compass my entire life. If I didn't know what direction to go, she was the person helping me, guiding me my entire life. What the hell was I going to do now? Being her POA of health got so much harder after that. Making decisions for her and hoping they were the best ones was so difficult. I didn't know, I didn't want to let her down. There was nothing that was going to prevent her from dying. So the best option I had on the table was hospice. I was already having a hard enough time accepting her diagnosis. And the last thing I needed her to do, feel was miserable while I, you know, while I was her POA. I had to make sure she was comfortable. So once the decision was made, grandma was transferred from the hospital to the nursing home. I still didn't have a vehicle at the time. However, I have some pretty amazing kids. I had to have a meeting set up with hospice once grandma got transferred, so I needed a ride. I told my boys that if they wanted to say goodbye to grandma, it would be the best time. It's rather sooner than later, you know. And without any hesitation, Maxwell, Matthew, Garrett, and Colton came with me to see grandma. Well, I should say, Maxwell drove us there, so we went with him. We got to the nursing home way before grandma. Making time seemed to go by way too slow. Seeing my boys sitting there waiting to say goodbye to the woman that helped raise them was the most painful thing ever. The heaviness of the entire situation was extremely overwhelming. And the longer I sat there, the more I realized I needed to get a hold of my uncle, which would be my grandma's firstborn. Now, I am estranged from that family, my two uncles and my mother. And the only tie I had to them was grandma. I didn't need my uncle's permission or input on anything because I was her POA. But I thought I would have him there so, and feel involved so I didn't have to deal with any of the aftermath. One thing I wish I would have done beforehand was educate myself on hospice care. It would have helped me with the overall shock value of it. I had to make a lot of hard decisions all at once, and I fucking hated it. It felt like torture. It's like, come on, I just found out she's dying, and now you're making me sign off on this and sign off on that. It, it was really fucking stupid. 
it just sucked signing the paperwork to discontinue, you know, like certain medications, the what they will do is and what they won't do is just saying all of it out loud sucks. The entire time I was in that meeting with my uncle and the hospice lady, my son Colton sat with grandma. The other boys didn't know that they could go in the room with her and thought Colton was with me. That gave Colton the time he needed with grandma. Now Colton, my youngest, grandma always called her baby. She would call me just to ask how her baby was doing. And she just loved that he was in band, just like his mama was. She needed alone time with her baby, just as much as he needed it. Once those T's were crossed and the I's were dotted, I got the hell out of that meeting and headed towards grandma's room. Maxwell, Garrett, and Matthew got up from their seats in the living room area and followed my lead. Our boys knew this was the last goodbye. I wasn't sure if it was mine. However, I treated it as such. We all hugged her, exchanged I love yous, and I'm going to miss yous. Grandma was with it. She was there. Dementia was not there. She was there. She knew who we were and said so many sweet things to each one of my boys. She promised her baby a new horn, which she meant like saxophone. Thanks, Grandma. Then, just as we were about to leave, she got a boost of energy from somewhere and jolted up from her pillow with her finger pointing straight at my uncle. Are you pulling a boner on me? Grandma says. Somehow, Grandma did it again. Took the dark energy out of the equation, and this time, she added a boner. We all were laughing our asses off. The only women in that room were Grandma and me. <laughs> as my uncle pokes his chest and says, Are you talking to me? Grandma was smiling, just beaming, and trying to laugh, but didn't have enough energy for that. And she repeated herself, Are you pulling a boner on me? And then one of the kids asked, Grandma, do you even know what a boner is? She was beaming from ear to ear, and she went to shake her head no, but then blurted out a story about how my uncle parked his vehicle around the corner from her house and called her saying he was broken down. My uncle laughed and said, that happened fucking 40 years ago. He couldn't, we could not believe that she even remembered that. Boner to grandma means prank. Well played, Grandma. Way to cut the tension, eh? I now occasionally say, are you pulling a boner on me? And you know what? I will continue to do that the rest of my life. Want to know why? Because it's way too good to not do that. And for some reason, I thought after I signed all of the hospice paperwork, things would get easier. You know, I made the decisions. I read all the information they gave me. I knew I made the right choice, yet every time they called me with an update or to get authorization for something else, I, I had to question myself. Am I actually killing her? Like, am I helping kill her? Because every time they called me, she was getting worse and it was very fast. Was I doing the right thing? Grandma's my favorite person. My grandma's favorite person from the nursing home was Michelle. Is Michelle, I should say. 
Michelle slowly filled my grandma's closet with clothing throughout the years that my grandma was there. Because my grandma, you know, always told her, when I, when you die, I want that shirt. It didn't just stop there. Michelle went like above and beyond. She got grandma earrings, bought her soda, you name it. Their bond was so natural and honestly, it was beautiful. Michelle was treating her like family, not like just another patient. Michelle loved my grandma like it was her own. And because of that grandma, like Michelle and I got closer rather quickly throughout the years because of that. And I am so thankful that Michelle was there for my grandma when I couldn't be. Grandma's condition got worse rather quickly. Michelle knew my vehicle situation, so she called me from her personal cell phone and told me grandma was leaving us soon. And she knew it was that day because of her breathing. She thought it would be a good idea for grandma to hear my voice one last time. Michelle did something for me that I will forever be grateful for. She put her phone up to my grandma's ear and I got to pour my heart out to my grandma one last time. I could hear grandma's breathing change when she heard my voice. I was trying to make sure I said everything I needed to say without letting my emotions take over. But how the fuck do you do that? I said, it's okay, grandma, to let go. I love you and I will be okay and you will be okay. But guess what? I was lying to her. I wasn't okay, and I'm not sure if I will ever be okay. I sat there for a bit with my eyes closed, just listening to my grandma breathe real slow and shallow. I love you so much, grandma. I just kept saying, I don't forget you promised to haunt me. And that was the last thing I said to my grandma. Soon after that call, she left us. My body went into shock, I think. I seriously got physically sick. I, it felt like I had food poisoning, a flu, or COVID. It was so bad. I don't remember the rest of the day that grandma died or a few days to follow after that. It was all really hazy. I felt like I lost a part of me. It felt like things had to be done and figured out right away. And all I could do was hug a toilet or cry myself to sleep. One of the things that needed to be done was cleaning out her room at the nursing home. Abigail picked Colton and I up to get it all done and over with. I was so thankful for the support, honestly. And when we got there, Michelle greeted us at the door and walked us to grandma's room. That's when I noticed Michelle honored all of my grandma's wishes. It's a long and very complicated story. So I will just say the family is estranged and grandma was not happy with a few of them. So yeah, Michelle was my lifeline. Grandma's lifeline, actually. Michelle didn't have to be. She chose to be. She also just was as sad as we were. She was crying. And being surrounded by grandma's things was hard, but comforting all at the same time. I had found notes that she kept that were from me. Cards that I sent. Pictures of her from that from our son, my son Colton drew for her. She literally kept everything and anything that came from us. 
I was trying like hell to remain strong for my kids that were there as I went through everything. And I was doing a pretty good job, I thought. Until a nurse walked in with a pillowcase neatly folded for my grandma. She took a look around the room and quickly figured out what was going on after she yelled my grandma's name. The nurse had just returned to work after her recent round of chemotherapy and didn't know grandma had died. When she walked in with that pillowcase that I saw grandma laying on when I last saw her, I felt like I got punched in the gut. It was as if I was learning about grandma's death all over again. Staying strong was not working well for me, even now. <laughs> I wasn't a part of the funeral arrangements because the whole estrangement, and guess what? I don't care. To be completely honest, I was glad I wasn't. Just making a freaking poster board was hard for me. Then there was the eulogy idea. How do I make a eulogy for someone that meant so much to me? What if I forget to add something in it? I could never take it back, you know? How was I going to get up there and bear a piece of my soul to everyone that showed up to her funeral? So many things seemed impossible until they weren't. I wasn't alone in any of it, actually. My husband and my children made sure of it. I tried so hard to keep myself grounded the entire time. I was surrounded by my estranged family and didn't know what to expect. It only made my anxiety much worse, but I wasn't there for any drama. I just wanted to mourn the loss of my grandma and say goodbye. I used humor as a coping mechanism. So at one point, while I was over by grandma in the casket, I had whispered to my boys, I hope grandma isn't pulling a boner on us. What if she just wakes up and says, just kidding. That would be something she would do. She did try to fool the nurse, you know, so just throwing that out there. But it all didn't seem real to me until the casket closed. I rushed out of the room and lost my shit in the church hallway. It was real. This is really happening. I wanted to leave. I wanted to leave. I felt like I was a four-year-old, five-year-old kid crying uncontrollably. It was, I felt so stupid and I still feel so stupid. Even now that I'm, I'm crying doing this, I feel stupid. I wanted to leave. I begged my husband to leave, but that wasn't an option. He knew I wouldn't be able to live with myself if I did leave. So as much as I begged, I wasn't going anywhere. My husband and children never left my side that entire day. I did manage to get through the eulogy that I wrote even if that meant I had to hold myself up onto the podium. The whole time I was standing up there, I could hear her voice in my mind saying, I'm proud of you. I love you, beautiful. Having a bond like Grandma and I had was beautiful, amazing, inspiring, embarrassing. And now I almost wish I didn't have it at all because it hurts so much now that she's gone. I truly believe she waited until she knew I was in good hands before she left this earth. The only family I have now is the one my husband and I created. For the longest time, I was sad about that. I was hurt by that. But when grandma died, 
I realize one beautiful bond is better than a hundred fake ones. Without the proper support system, I'm not sure I could have got through all of this. I'm trying so hard to keep it all together, but sometimes my emotions catch up to me. I don't want anyone to worry about me because I worried my family enough in the past when it came to my mental illness. So I really try to do my best to hide it, which leads to pie. I sometimes cry outside at night, even though I can see my neighbors are watching me as I wipe my boogers away. Worst case scenario, I lock myself into our bathroom, cry in there. But my crying has slowed down some. And it just turned into the pie. Pie reminds me of my grandma. I just wish she didn't lie to me. She told me, there is nothing a pie can't fix. Well, that's bullshit. I've been through enough pie by now since she passed to know that there's a lot of things pie can't fix. It does fix your belt, though. You have to put it up a notch. I didn't have to. I'm just saying. I've had my fair share of pie since she died, and I still feel the same as I did the day I found out she was dying. Grieving is different for everyone. My husband needs to understand that. And I'm only saying that because he doesn't understand the whole pie eating thing, okay? I am slowly realizing I can carry on with my grandma in my heart, mind, and soul. She showed me things and showed me that nothing is impossible. And to never apologize for being yourself and your flaws are also your strengths. It has been almost four months now since she has left us. And my husband still has yet to feel that tickle. And trust me, I ask him almost every morning or night. She has never broken a promise. And I'm sure he will sooner or later feel it. Hopefully sooner rather than later. Otherwise, I might need to help her out with that. Thank you for tuning in. And allowing me to share my experience with you. I want to spread awareness on hospice if I could. If, I, if you can get anything out of this. I really wish I could spread awareness on hospice care. The hospice staff that worked with me was and still remains to be compassionate, honest, hardworking, and so on. I made the comment to one of the ladies of, I don't know how you guys do this every day. And the answer I got back was that they found it, she found it to be comforting knowing that she was helping someone leave this earth peacefully and pain-free. That is beautiful to me. Help me stop the stigma on, on hospice care because she also said there's a big stigma on that. And while you're at it, go out there, embrace the weird, and Go and pull a boner on someone. Bye.